Shift is brought to you by Capgemini. Hello, and a warm welcome to this podcast series on the topic of mobility, sponsored by Capgemini. My name is Vito Labate. I lead global sector marketing at Capgemini, and I would like to invite you to listen in on the thought-provoking and stimulating content shared on this podcast today. Welcome to Shift, a podcast about mobility. This is Leslie Allen, editor of Shift Magazine. And this is Alexa St. John, tech and suppliers reporter for Automotive News. We are, of course, here at CES for the fourth of five special podcasts that we're doing on the uh, scene, so to speak. Pete Bigelow will be joining us later on in the show. But first, Alexa, you have snagged the biggest guest we've ever had on this podcast. Can you tell us about it? Sure. Well, earlier today, I was able to have a great conversation with the U.S. Department of Transportation Secretary Elaine Chao. Uh, Now, she was here at CES this week uh, for a keynote event. Uh, She was actually unveiling uh, the U.S. new uh, AV 4.0 plan. It's basically a guidance to to get 38 different agencies and departments uh, across the country on the same page about autonomous vehicle technology, uh, new advancements with this technology. And, you know, as you know, Leslie, there are so many different players and stakeholders in this space. It's something new every day. Uh, We've seen so many of those players here at CES. And so, you know, According to Secretary Chow, the goal is to, you know, make this uh, much more consistent across the board in terms of approaches to AV technology. So basically avoiding what a lot of people call a patchwork of different regulations and different policies. So I can't wait to hear from Elaine Chow. So let's go right to that segment. Obviously, it's always so exciting to be here at CES. And I think if one were to go through the exhibit hall, it's very clear that the future of transportation is clearly intermodal. Now, there's so many technologies represented here that are being deployed on different modes of transportation. Um, and we have uh, increasingly large number of uh, technologies that uh, point to safety uh, in autonomous vehicles, you know, such as uh, lane protection and crash avoidance. Not only our cars now, but also motorcycles. We're also seeing autonomous transit vehicles, and uh, as I mentioned, uh, we're seeing now also autonomous uh, trucks. So I think, you know, U.S. innovation is still number one, and the world really looks to us to lead innovation. And so coming to CES and seeing people from all over the world, uh, it's uh, always very exciting. It really is a kind of like a futuristic look uh, at what our world will be like. Oh, sure. I, I completely agree. It's, you know, it's been fascinating just walking around and, and hearing about the partnerships that have come, um, you know, in the midst of all of this, uh, all of these mobility efforts. Um, it's really, really fascinating, uh, you know, just to see. Yeah, you know, and if you and if you recall, I was a secretary of labor. So the future of the workforce is always uh, front of mind for me as well. And Ivanka Trump was here yesterday. Mm hmm. And she spoke on innovation as being a key element impacting the future of uh, America's workforce. And that means job training, new skills, and making sure that Americans are equipped to take advantage of the future. 
quick pause here. I know that you are making your announcement about the you know AV 4.0 uh, during your keynote, so I'd like to just ask you um, about that announcement. Okay. Well, I'm really excited to be here because the department has a major uh, announcement about uh, automated vehicles. You know, this department, the Department of Transportation, uh, has a chance to lead in engaging with new technologies to address legitimate public concerns about safety and security and privacy without hampering innovation because America is known worldwide for being innovators and that is our competitive advantage. So we do not want to hamper innovation and it's the role of government to ensure that the environment is uh, appropriate and uh, welcoming of uh, new innovations. But we in the government have also our role to play, which is, again, to address legitimate public concerns about safety, security, and privacy. Right, of course. And as you know, yeah, there's currently no self-driving vehicle on the roads today. But as the level of uh, automation increases, an automated driver assistance plays a greater role in the operation of motor vehicles. So when uh, this administration came in, in 2017, uh, we proposed uh, a new uh, vision for safety, and we entitled it ADS, Automated Driving Systems 2.0. And then in 2018, we issued AV 3.0 in our uh, effort to offer important guidance on safety policy and how stakeholders should work uh, with the department, which brings me to today's Announcement, which is AV 4.0, which is to ensure American leadership in automated vehicle technologies. And so the White House and the Department of Transportation has worked on this document, which provides guidance to 38 different federal agencies, uh, innovators, and the public on the U.S. posture toward uh, automated vehicles. So there are 38 federal agencies within the you know the government and you can imagine how confusing and complicated it is to have every single one of these federal agencies take a different tack on automated vehicles so our announcement today AV 4.0 will unite harmonize unify all the federal agencies uh, to um, have the same principles on automated vehicles and this will make it so much easier for innovators and the public and other stakeholders to work with the federal government in all of its different component parts and our federal principles are going to be number one prioritize safety and security Mm -hmm. two is uh, to promote innovation and three very importantly to ensure a consistent regulatory approach and so you know That means safety for drivers, pedestrians, and other vehicles around AVs, as well as cybersecurity defenses for, you know, such high-tech systems. Also, very importantly, uh, the government, we in the government, also want to be technology neutral. We are not going to be choosing winners or losers. We do not want to be top-down or command and control. We believe that the consumer should decide. And the private sector, the innovators, they need to listen to the consumers. And I've always challenged them ever since uh, we've been in office that they need to share their confidence about these new technologies with the American public. 
because unless there is consumer acceptance, they, these innovators and these great ideas will not be able to come to fruition. So consumer acceptance will be a key criteria in how big these ideas can really become. And so uh, we want to be pro-growth and we want to give a unified regulatory response to the development of AVs. And if developers know what the government expects, I think they'll be more comfortable working here from other countries and also growing their businesses and creating good jobs, good paying jobs in our economy. Now, how uh, how exactly are you are you planning to kind of get all of these all of these different agencies, all of these industry stakeholders on the same page? I mean, that's that's no easy feat, and you know, as we've kind of discussed, a lot of people are trying to get at this new technology and these new ideas. Uh, so, what is the challenge there, and you know, what is your approach uh, to getting well, people been, on the same page? Well, I think there's a great deal of interest in wanting to work together within the federal government to ensure American leadership in automated vehicle technologies. We are not the only innovators in the world. We're still number one. We're a nation of great creativity and innovation. So we need to make sure that the government is fostering the correct environment through which this can occur. And so we've been meeting on this and the White House uh, obviously play, uh, plays a very important role. So the t- department and the White House have been meeting with all these other agencies. And once we have this uh, guidance out uh, in writing and issued, uh, they will become, again, the prototype and the roadmap for the rest of the government as well to follow. Sure. Uh, so what are the what are the challenges with that? I mean, you know, Everyone has kind of, you know, the same goal of getting these technologies out um, and and improving safety. Um, But there are also, you know, independent agendas as well. Well, that always happens, doesn't it? (laughs) But once again, that's why I think having, um, you know, an AV 4.0 roadmap and guidance document like the one that we are releasing today uh, will be much needed and it'll be welcomed. Uh, so that people who are working in this field know that this is what the government expects. And it's actually to their benefit. It's to America's benefit to have a common guidance and common understanding as to what our interface should be uh, with uh, the regu- the innovators and others who are participating in this uh, sector. Certainly, certainly. And- I think it clarifies a lot. And it does away with a lot of what can be very confusing and um, you know, conflicting um, approaches to AVs. Sure, and I mean even stemming down to to the the nomenclature uh, used around these different technologies uh, for ADAS, uh, etc. It's you know it can be quite siloed um, and you know a little bit uh, uh, inconsistent. Right, which is why AV four Ensuring American leadership in automated vehicle technologies is very timely. Definitely. Um, now, another big topic here at CES uh, has been uh, 5G, of course. Uh, so I was wondering if you had, you know, any thoughts about uh, the state or the future of 5G, uh, especially here in the U.S., lots of conversations uh, surrounding uh, 5G and how that's directly uh, correlated to, uh, to all of these automated vehicle technologies and connected vehicles. Well, at the Department of Transportation, safety is number one. So we want to preserve the real estate 
that's on 5.9 to ensure that as we move into a future where smart cities will prevail, where vehicles can talk to one another, vehicles can talk to infrastructure, we need to have that bandwidth preserved So uh, for this sector for the purpose of safety. Definitely. I mean, there are a lot of quite a few players, you know, talking about that as well. Um, is that, you know, 5G kind of part of, of the AV 4.0 or or how do you look well, that? It's, in? A, it's one aspect of it. So the real estate that I'm talking about on the spectrum is called 5.9 mm -hmm. and gigahertz. And that's uh, specifically, obviously, what the department and others, Department of Commerce, Department of Defense, um, Department of Homeland Securities are also concerned about. Sure, sure. Uh, now we've talked quite a bit about safety um, and as it relates to uh, getting all of these industry stakeholders on the same page. Um, how do you uh, then plan to communicate with the consumers and make sure that trust is there? Well, we're not the only ones communicating with the consumers. The innovators and the developers and the companies who are trying to produce uh, products that consumers can use, they're going to have to talk to the consumers they're going to have to earn the consumers trust and confidence again if um you know 71 for example of the american public is reluctant to get in get into a self-driving car right so if that is a um a constraint then these innovators companies developers they've got to share their confidence about why their technology Uh, is uh, so appealing and there are good aspects of it for example automated vehicles can return freedom to people with disabilities and the elderly but safety must always be number one and then number two they've got to address the issues about security and then thirdly privacy issues as well big thanks to secretary chow for the interview uh we're going to take a quick break but we'll be back with some more ces content after that the automotive and mobility industry is facing massive challenges based on sustainability imperatives and environmental regulations But whether you are a mobility operator, an automotive manufacturer, one of the local authorities, or even an urban transport planner, all must come together to redefine their models to be built on a holistic view of sustainability in the future. In Capgemini's 2030 vision for the automotive sector, new technology solutions will make it possible to work on a true end-to-end -end sustainability journey and steer the industry based on green mobility offerings. This is Capgemini, and as a long-standing partner of the automotive industry, we are proud to support this series of podcasts. Thank you for listening in, and now, back to the podcast. Uh, now, we're going to hear from Pete Bigelow. Thanks, Leslie and Alexa. Yeah, uh, I spent another busy day at CES here One of the highlights was talking to FLIR Systems about their new thermal camera for both driver assist and uh, autonomous driving systems. Uh, if you may remember from a, a few months back, Vionier, the, the supplier, uh, announced a contract to produce thermal cameras for an unnamed uh, leader in the autonomous driving space. 
which was really interesting because I think since the DARPA challenges, essentially, we've really thought about LIDAR, standard cameras, and radars being the three sensors that uh, are used to, to help cars detect obstacles in the, in the road ahead. Um, so that's, that's changing a little bit. And without further ado, uh, I want to uh, pass along my conversation with Frank Panisi of FLIR. It came out October of 2019, yeah. launched by AAA. Uh, they, they tested four cars, a Chevy Valve, a Toyota Camry, a Tesla Model 3, who claims that their sensors are you know, everything there, uh, as well as I'm missing one. It's a Honda Accord. And they tested, them, they tested their basic AAV systems, daytime, person standing in front of the car, little kid walking out from between two parked cars. And there are a couple of cases where you just had miserable failure rates. 90 to 100% of the cars failed under those circumstances. Nighttime, 100% failure. Walking out from between two cars, 100% failure. What you can see from the video, we've run the exact tests under the exact circumstances with a thermal equipped set of AEB past 100% of the time in all the circumstances that were thrown at it. Night, walking between two cars, etc. Some small children, etc. And you can see from the video, that's I would not like to be one of those dummies in the cases that are happening now. The, the current cars are armed with uh, visible cameras and radar. It's clear that what you need is thermal to be able to start cutting through some of the corner cases. And hell, I've got to tell you, in some cases, it might just be standard cases for some of these. Now, granted, we're great at fog, sun glare, shadows, fog, light rain, nighttime, where we're most, you know, most popular at it. But essentially, thermal allows you to cut through a lot of the corner cases and makes folks safe, gives you reliable and redundant cars. The other thing that a lot of people don't think about, in addition to the fact that 75% of pedestrians are killed at night, and that pedestrian death is like the eighth largest cause of death in the world, there's 10 times more damage and 10 times more fatalities with deer, car hitting deer, and the, the damage caused to that. Now, when did deer come out? Sunrise, sunset, night. When thermal works best. So you take advantage of that, and, and there's there's an entirely, a completely different industry tied to call it insurance or car damage that you know, rural areas are going to have a high interest in this. So we started off by putting this into working with autonomous vehicles, and we had to do a lot of evangelizing because of the 2004 DARPA challenge that said that LIDAR and visible and a couple other technologies are the one you had to use. And, and for whatever reason, thermal was not a part of that. And I actually don't know why it ended up being part, whether we didn't participate or it wasn't evaluated. Who knew what was going on in 2004, not, not, right? Not sure it was DARPA. You know, <laughs> so they're, they're very secretive people. But uh, nevertheless, uh, we did a lot of evangelism. We started showing it, and the autonomous vehicle manufacturers started really adopting it. And they actually came to us and said, you should be putting this into standard features on the AEB. And as a result, now we're working with uh, the tier one automotive manufacturers and very large uh, manufacturers who are saying, we don't just want to do this in our AVs, we want to do this in our standard vehicles as well. Interesting. And with the whole with the whole cycle of the, 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 the you ever heard of the Gardner hype cycle? Oh, yeah. Around yep. autonomous vehicles? Yep. Right, so 16 and 17, hype was at its peak. And I would assert that 18 and 19 were the was the trough of disillusionment, right? Yes. And I would say 20, you're starting to get to that level of enlightenment or productivity or whatever the, they, they name the stage. And the reason they're coming to that conclusion is because you're not going to go ta-da 
here's an autonomous vehicle. You're going to start getting more and more features that have more and more capabilities as standard equipment on cars with drivers, and you're going to evolve into an autonomous vehicle over time. Right, so like that AEB is, is ahead on the hype cycle of, exactly. of AVs. This, this is, this basically, there's no hype associated with this. This is, here's a technology that has flaws, the thermal is helping to reduce some of those flaws, making it safer, therefore it gets instituted as standard, therefore it gets regulated in, and therefore it becomes standard equipment on, on, on an autonomous vehicle when it comes around because people are used to having it already. Who are the uh, tier ones in OEMs that you have contracts with that you can publicly talk about? Yeah, the, that publicly talk about one is a much smaller <laughs> list. So the only one we can publicly talk about is Veneer. Okay. Right. And, and you may or may not be aware, we've already we've already won a major yes. autonomous vehicle manufacturer in conjunction in, with partnership with Veneer. They're the only folks with whom we can talk about it. There are some of the of the smaller, really smarter companies that tend to be a little bit more disruptive, I'll just leave it at that, that actually don't want to deal with tier ones. They'd actually rather deal directly with us and then actually negotiate with whomever they need to do to create their sub-assemblies. Okay. So in some cases, we're dealing with directly with some of the bigger, more disruptive names. The, the more traditional manufacturers with whom we deal will typically send us to their tier one. And they're all willing to send us to their tier one. We talk to them, they just say, but you can't tell anybody about it. Sure. So unfortunately, and of course you can imagine the disruptors, they're making a sign NDAs out left, right, and center. Sure. I'm sorry. No, no, no. no. But, but I'll tell you, take a list of any of the big names, and you can, uh, and I'll just tell you, chances are we're dealing with them. So let's talk about Veneer, since that's the one that's public. Great. Uh, are they... Doing driver, you working with them on driver assist and AV, or one or one or the other? They are doing a combination of working with folks on autonomous vehicles. That's where we got our win, publicized win. They're also working with some with very serious, large, traditional manufacturers on a thermal assisted AEV. Okay, and getting designed into those and actually uh, getting, getting the, I'll give you some examples. Remember I told you about the deer, 10 times more accidents? Think if you were a major pickup truck manufacturer, what that could do for you. And if you could be the first one out there who says, I'm going to prevent you from hitting deer, what, how that can sell for you. Significant. Um, the AV thing is really interesting because like you said, everybody's been on this... I don't know if you call it this kick, but since DARPA, essentially, like, everyone's been like, LiDAR, camera, radar, and there hasn't been a lot of innovation. And now you see the limitations of even those three, because they're they're obviously looking for something more. Yes. Um, do you think we're just at the beginning of that realization and more will come? Like, how do you, generally speaking... What's the AV potential? When do people realize that they need something beyond those three? I would tell you that 80% of the AV industry has figured out that thermal is the way you ought to go. And those who haven't actually have pretty valid reasons. The one who's most notably, visibly uh, uh, said, I'm done with my sensor array is Tesla. Right there, they've gone up, they've gone public, and they said, I don't need LiDAR. And they never said it, but they've, you know, they've implied they don't need thermal. Um, Yet they keep what, running into parked fire trucks. I don't know. Uh, uh, I wasn't going to say that part. <laughs> um, what, what I will say is Tesla has stated what we want to do is be better than a human. And if you take, for example, I'll use GM's vision, they're saying 
zero emissions, zero accidents, and zero congestion. Very different way of thinking about it. And by the way, it's the way most of the manufacturers are thinking. I don't want 99 if a human is 98. I want 99, how many nines can I get after that decimal point? Sure. And anyone who has that thought process is gravitating to a broader sensor array and saying what else is out there. And we're absolutely a part of that. All of them are saying, you know, we thought you guys would be good at night, but you're, you're killing off all the corner cases that we were having trouble solving. You know, that if you go into, obviously the owner's manual of a Toyota Camry that says, here's all the circumstances under which an AEB system won't work. But you can apply this to AV as well. And we probably solved two-thirds of those problems with thermal technology. And they're the same things that the AV guys are running into with their autonomous vehicles. So they're saying, look, we thought night was a given, but... Our reliability has is, is, is gone exponentially higher just by putting thermal on there. You know, the, lar- the largest customers you can think of in the AV space, who again I can't name, have said, we've already, you know, gone through the preliminary, we've gone through the qualitative testing, and we know that you are better qualitative. And now we're at the point of locking down how many cameras and uh, and where do we want to position them, and we're quantifying it so that we can literally do a, a full-on cost-benefit to see how many can we stick on the car. Because you know, in a cost-benefit-free world, we'd be sticking six, eight, ten on the car. Okay. But because there is a price point tied, to them, you know, we might stick with two for now until we can gain volume on them and then work ourselves. In. Thanks so much, Pete. Great segment. And now we're going to end the show with a visit to a part of CES that most of the general public does not get to see. So um, here we go. Not all of the activities at CES take place at the convention center. I'm here in the Wynn Hotel and we're at Showstoppers. Showstoppers is one of several events that occur during the evenings at CES that are just for the media. It gives companies a chance to set up booths and really get the media here, wine and dine, and talk one-on-one about their technology. And not everything is automotive. So our chip is inside the phone, transmitting video, and so when you snap this in here, then it lights up the second display using our technology to move 5.4 gigabits per second of video data to the second display. We are at the Roxy booth right now, and what is it? So Roxy is mobile karaoke, um, so it connects to your phone. You can Whatever phone you have, it either connects to Siri. If you have an Android, it connects to Google. And basically, it just uses whatever music app you have, and it turns down the vocals on whatever song you want to use, so you can do karaoke in the car with your friends. So what's the benefit of coming to Showstoppers? Showstoppers is just we get a little more one-on-one time. It's not everyone just kind of running through, so we're able to answer more questions. At another event this week called the Digital Experience, I got a chance to meet with a company called ANSYS. So we're here with Sandeep Sobhani, am I pronouncing your name correctly? Yes, yeah. And your company is ANSYS? Yes. So what is ANSYS? So ANSYS is a, the world's largest engineering simulation software company. Uh, we do simulation software that is used by any company that is doing any sort of engineering for uh, virtually testing their products. So in the automotive industry, for example, our software is used for uh, looking at aerodynamics of cars. When you do an event like this, which is um, it's during CES, but it's not at CES, what is, um, what is the benefit of coming to an event like the Digital Experience? 
So uh, we see this is a little bit different type of audience and more concentrated, right? This is, we can have more casual conversations with media. And now let's head back to Showstoppers for a minute. I ran into Jeremy Carlson. He's an analyst for IHS Market, and he offered his observations about CES. So I'm here with Jeremy Carlson. Jeremy is the principal analyst and manager for autonomous driving and mobility at IHS Market. So Jeremy, fancy meeting you here at CES. So um, just tell me what's going on for IHS here at CES, and um, why are you here? So CES has really turned into a very important trade show for the industry. We've had auto shows, uh, and they're really geared a little bit more towards consumers, talking about what we're going to see in the showroom in the next couple of months. Uh, CES, in particular for the supplier community, uh, is really the, the opportunity for these companies to show and demonstrate the technologies that they have in the pipeline uh, that bring all of these new features and new technologies to market in the next generation of products. And that's really been absent, I think, from the U.S. auto industry, and this is turning into the place to demonstrate those, uh, those types of technologies and capabilities. Well, certainly uh, the Detroit Auto Show moving to June has made room for more people to come out here to CES. Uh, indeed, indeed. Uh, it's going to be a really interesting change, I think, for Detroit. It definitely opens up a lot more options in terms of what you can do. Just being outside uh, during an auto show gives so much opportunity for ride and drives, trying new things, and just getting outside of Kobo. So what have you seen here at CES? There have been many debuts from the suppliers and the automakers. So what's, what's the headline here? What's standing out for you? Uh, so the supplier community has really talked about new technologies. We've got Bosch introducing a, a new LiDAR sensor, for example. LiDAR continues to be a pretty hot topic. A lot of startups here maturing their plans, bringing things closer to market. Uh, automakers continue to, uh, to garner some headlines. We see quite a few concept vehicles. Uh, we've also got plans, for example, from Toyota uh, to really introduce uh, a very different version of their, of their outlook. Uh, talking about generating, creating a new city and repurposing some of the land that they're they're no longer using for a manufacturing site. Uh, ambitious plans, definitely a change of perspective from some of the automakers here. Um, but CES is really the place to help share that kind of wider vision, that future-oriented perspective. And there are even a couple of flying uh, taxis here. For sure. Everyone's trying something new here. I haven't heard a whole lot about micromobility. Are you seeing a lot of that here? Uh, there is a bit. I think it tends to feature a little bit more in some of the stands as a portion of some of the announcements. Uh, less of a focus, but it continues to certainly be something that people are trying a lot of and really uh, just uh, investing in, exploring, and really seeing how it fits into the transportation network overall. Always great to talk to Jeremy and the folks at IHS Market. So, Alexa... This has been your first CES. We have one more day, another podcast to do, but I really want to hear about your impressions uh, about this crazy event here in Las Vegas. This was probably the craziest thing I have ever seen, um, but you know it was also an incredible experience all week. Um, I spoke to so many industry experts um, when it comes to the future of mobility and really looking forward to circling back uh, with quite a few of them after CES. Um, but first, got a couple of uh, quick appointments before I fly out, um, but it's been a really great, productive a week, very inspiring week to see all of the efforts that are going on in the industry when it comes to vehicle technology. Well, I'm going to miss the weather because I think it's snowing and raining in Detroit, but hey, you know. You win some, you lose some. That's right. 
So please join us tomorrow for our fifth and final podcast from CES and have a good day.